How long has it been? How long? Since you volunteered for VBS. Maybe it was last year. Maybe it was BC. You get it before COVID. <laughs> last decade? Last century? No matter when it was, this year is your year. We need you. VBS lets us connect. Upward with God. Inward with one another. Outward with our community. Following the service today out in the uh, vestibule, out in the hallway there, you'll have a table that you may sign up to help with uh, VBS. And I want you to pray for these kids as they're going to help us sing this morning a great song, Out the Window.
they can see you a little bit and make their way to, yeah, that's right, wave at them, it doesn't matter, put the come hither on them, it's okay. Good to have you today. We want to join our voices together today singing, we have heard the joyful sound, Jesus saves, Jesus saves. Let's stand together as we sing. Listen, this next song I sent out in an email. Actually, I didn't send it out. Donna Tucker sent it out. If you get it from me, Donna's probably sent it out because she has far more people on her email than I do. But there was a song, a link to a song for you to learn this week. Christ the true and better. And you know, if we, we can take the Holy Word of God and we can look at it and we can read any story, any passage of Scripture in there and we'll get something from it. But if you're not careful, you'll just have a lot of biblical information about this and this and this. And I love this song because it ties it together. And you got to have the whole counsel of the Word of God. And this song, I think, does that. You'll understand in just a moment. Never 
the valley. Boy, it hides me from the rain. My God is awesome. He heals me when I'm broken. God, how we thank you that you are all of these things and so much more. So, Lord, I pray that our hearts are eager and anxious and prepared now to hear your word. We love you. Thank you so much for loving us. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Amen and amen. Thank you, friend. Bless you. Well, good morning, church. Oh, it's so good to see you. Glad you were here. Matter of fact, I know you just sat down. But I want you to stand back up because you got to share a handshake, a hug, a smile. Just, just tell somebody you're glad to see them here this morning. All right, do that. Take a minute and do that. Greet one another. There you go. Glad to see you, friend. How are you? Man, thank y'all for playing. Good morning. Great job. Thank you so much. Mike, bless you. Barry, bless you. Now, that looks a little better. That looks and sounds much better. While you're standing, grab your Bible. Grab your Bible. Look with me this morning. We're going to finish up 1 Thessalonians this morning. So turn with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. And we're going to look at what I'm going to entitle today, A Picture of God-Centered Community. Last week we had just a great time in the Lord, thinking about the resurrection, thinking about the Lord Jesus coming back. So I'm not going to go back necessarily into the first part of chapter 5. I feel like we kind of covered that last week. But I want to pick up with verse 2. 12. And 12 through 22 is going to be our focus this morning. As a matter of fact, do this before I read the scripture. Hold that Bible up and say this with me. This is the Bible. It is God's holy, infallible, inerrant, perfect, life-giving, life-changing word. We ask you, brothers... To respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil. But always seek to do good to one another and to everyone. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. I'm going to go back and read that one again. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. But test everything. Hold fast. What is good? Abstain from every form of evil. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for our time of worship and, Lord, just a Bible study this morning and our time of worship through music today. God, thank you that there are so many ways that we can worship you. 
And Lord, we come now to to read your word and to to hear your word proclaimed. And Lord, we believe that in of itself is an act of worship unto you. Jesus, we recognize today without you, we are nothing. And I pray, God, that we would stay connected to our true vine today. And that Jesus, that you would lift us up, that you would clearly speak to us today. God, that you have a word for the church. And I pray, God, the church would have on its listening ears today. And God, I I just want us to, to hear from heaven. I pray, God, as we hear from you, that we would be changed by you today. And so, Lord, we give you control. God, we, we don't have anything up our sleeves today. You have to, to, to show yourself strong today. And we pray that, Lord, as we teach and walk through this truth, that the Holy Spirit would be our spirit of truth today. And God, that you would bring about glory and change. And that, God, you would sanctify your church today. God, make us ready for what you have for us. And we pray this today in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. In some ways, this is the type of message that a church body needs to hear from time to time. There are just moments that in any church life that we've got to be reminded about this intentional relationship that we have with Jesus and this intentional relationship we have with one another. And sometimes we have to be reminded that you have to be in order to do. Most of us rather do than be, but that that would be reverse order. And so as we are being who Christ died for us to be, then we can do what God has called us as a body to do. And this is one of those. This is kind of preparatory for what I think God is going to do in the life of Poplar Springs. And so this is the type of message that we need to hear and give Give, give a heed a lot of attention to why because most of the people that God's going to bring aren't here yet. I want you to hear that closely. The people that God's going to bring aren't here yet, but they're coming. You with me? They're coming. And so there's some things that have to be in place. There's some things that have to be in order for that to take place. And this is one of those kind of messages. And so I'm just going to use, this is going to be a very simple outline today. You'll think, Ken, you didn't spend a lot of time on this one because, you know, it's just, it is so simple and it's so direct to the word. But I think it is so incredibly clear. First of all, I want you to know it is the will of God for the church to be respectful. Think about that. Just to be respectful. So verses 12 and 13 have to do with the relationship between the pastor, the church leadership, and the people themselves. Look again at that passage. We ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. And so one of the things that you are praying for, you are praying for your next pastor. And as you do, you need to be reminded what that pastor's role and that pastor's job really is. And this passage here is very, very clear. First, he is called here to labor. He's called here to work. 
Second, he's called here to lead. And thirdly, he's called here to teach. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you. Labor. You know, there are a lot of jokes today about preachers who only work one day a week. You ever heard one of those? Now, I've been a preacher for a lot of years. I'm just going to tell you what I think about jokes like that. Don't you? I'll punch you right in the throat. All right? That's not very respectful, so I'll have to ask God to forgive me. All right? No, the man of God that God's going to use... He's on the clock 24-7. There's really not a time off. Pastors work really hard. And, and, and the, the man that God's going to bring here is going to be that kind of man. You're going to see that in his life. He's going to know how to work hard. He's going to smell like sheep because he's going to work hard among you. Does that make sense? Okay, so he's going to work hard. Second, he's going to lead. He's going to equip. He's going to to equip the saints for ministry. It doesn't mean that a pastor or a staff does all the work. It's not at all what that means. But as they work, they're going to teach. As they work, they're going to lead. And as you follow that leadership, God is going to bless that incredibly. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. The word admonish could mean to teach, to warn, to instruct. So one of the things that the pastor has to do for sure is spend time with Jesus. And the more that he spends time with Jesus, the more prepared he is to get into the pulpit and have a word from God. And so if you, if, if you had no other requirements for your next pastor, those three would be enough. You understand that? To labor among you, to lead you well, and to constantly have a word so that he could teach truth to you. And so the Bible says it is the will of God for the body to be respectful of its leadership. Second thing I want you to see is not only be respectful, but to be mindful. To be mindful, verses 14 and 15. And we urge you, brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint-hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. Now, these two next verses deal with the body and the body. So the first one was the pastor among the people. Here is the people, the church, just ministering to each other. Now notice, the pastor is going to work hard, he's going to lead, he's going to equip, he's going to admonish and teach and train and instruct through the scriptures, but look where the real work really happens. It's in body life. It's when brothers and sisters, true disciples of the Lord Jesus, love each other with such a deep and intimate agape love that they begin to embrace these qualities. And they are so mindful of the other people. First of all, he talks about the, the, the idol. He says to warn the idol. What does that mean, Ken? Glad you asked. That, that's a military term in the Greek that, that just simply means this. If you see someone out of step, you love them enough to get them in step. That, that means that you 
You know truth because you've seen that truth modeled. You've heard the words of admonition preached from the pulpit. You've studied the scripture for yourself. And when you see a disciple who is out of step or someone who has deserted their rank, you know what you do? You lovingly and patiently go to them. You don't call the preacher. You don't call the Sunday school teacher. You don't call the deacons. You do that work. I'm going to tell you, when the church starts operating like the church, some crazy stuff can happen. Can you imagine loving each other so much that you would go to somebody? Let's just imagine Scott was out of step. (laughs) That's not that hard to imagine, is it? So I've got a brother who's out of step. But I love him because I love Jesus and I care for him and and his well-being with Jesus. And so I don't take it to anybody else. You know where I go? I go straight to him. And I say, brother, I love you so much that I I see some decisions that have been made in your life that are out of step. You have deserted truth. I'm going to say when the body, listen, I'm not saying everybody's going to be ever, in everybody's business. But I am saying that we should love truth so much, one that we know it, and we love each other so much that we would hold each other accountable to biblical truth. And if you see somebody at a step, you love them enough, you go to them. The average Baptist church will not do that. And I don't want you to be the average Baptist church. I want you to be above average. I want you to be a biblical church. So you'd be mindful that you would, you would love people so much that if they're out of step, you would go to them. You're out of line. And I want you to get back in line. Number two, he says to encourage the faint-hearted. Some of you may have a translation that says feeble-minded. Faint-hearted is a better translation. It's those who struggle with fear and doubt. Do y'all know anybody who struggles with fear? Do you know anybody who struggles with doubt? And the Bible says you go to them, you encourage them, you love them. Why? Because they're, they, 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 it's impossible for that person to, to know spiritual maturity if they are constantly eat up with fear and doubt. So what do you do? You go to them. You encourage them. You help build their spiritual muscles so that they learn how to walk by faith and they trust the promises of God. You learn Scripture together. You sing songs together. You pray together. You are building them up. And then he talks about helping the weak. Disciples who are as not as mature as other disciples. Those that don't have a lot of spiritual strength and stamina, what do you do? You hold them up. You stay with them. There's a lot of spiritual babies. And you know what? Listen, I've been a parent for 35 years. And, 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 and all of our eight kids, we didn't treat them all exactly the same. We didn't. Because they're different. They're just different. I could look at Stephen. He was the only compliant child we had. You could just look at him and he would just shape up. Right, Pat? Just, Seth, not on your life. 
He was the oldest. Not on your life. Sarah. Lord Jesus, no. So I didn't treat them all the same. You, 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 you see their individuality and how God wired them differently. And we began to operate that way. And it was wonderful and glorious. Everybody in the church, we have people at different levels of spiritual maturity. You can't treat everybody the same. And you can't get frustrated when people don't understand something. Are you with me? I've had people say stuff like this. Well, if I was the pastor, you ain't. (laughs) We can nip that one in the bud right there. No, no. That's why we've got to know each other. We've got to do life together. That's why, listen, church membership has to mean more than just an hour in Sunday school and an hour in worship. We've got to learn to to live together, to do body life together. Why? Because we can help each other. We can teach. Sometimes I'm the one that needs somebody holding me up. So we do this to be be mindful. And, And you know what the word makes it really clear? He says to be patient. So wherever those three things go, listen, you gotta know this. All this requires patience. All this requires a great level of forgiveness. All this requires acts of goodness. Here's the third one. Be joyful. Verse 16. Rejoice always. Did you know, I, I know that sometimes we say the shortest verse in the Bible is Jesus wept. But if you go to the Greek New Testament and you study that, you realize that that is the shortest verse in the Greek New Testament. Rejoice always. Shortest verse in the Greek New Testament, maybe the hardest one to keep, right? This I know, it's a good thing to have joy. It's a good thing to express joy. So don't be a joy sucker. Pardon my French. Y'all know what I'm talking about when you say joy sucker. You ever, you, y'all know what I'm talking about. That person walks in the room and they just suck all the joy out of that room. You dread. You're in Ingles and, and you're walking down past the Pop-Tarts and Fruit Loops minding your own business. And you look down at the end of the row and there they are. What do you do? You walk that buggy around. Why? Because you ain't got time to hear all the pessimism and the criticism and all the negativity. Just suck all the joy out of you. No. He says rejoice always. Be filled with joy. Here's the next one. Be prayerful. Verse 17. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Say, kid, does that mean I have to be praying 24-7? No, but it means this. It, it, it's an interesting word in the Greek. Because if you, if you, if, you know, a lot, of, a lot of things that Paul would do, here's what he would do. He would take a word of that day and kind of baptize it and use it in writing these letters. Right? And so you, you have this language that helps us understand the heart of God. But, but it wasn't that it was always this super spiritual term. 
So this is one of those. So the, the phrase there, pray without ceasing, would have been the average, ordinary, life way of saying, I have a nagging cough. Have y'all ever had one of those nagging coughs? It's like you can't stop coughing. That's the picture here. And, and so if you have a nagging cough, it doesn't mean you're coughing all the time. It just means you always feel like you're getting ready to cough all the time. That's the word picture here. That you pray persistently. That the attitude of your heart is one when something happens, boom, you go straight to your knees. That's your heart. That's your attitude. I'm going to pray without ceasing. It's, it's, did I say sneezing? I didn't mean to say that if I did. Luke chapter 18. Listen to this parable. I bet you'll remember this. And he told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always pray and not lose heart. He said in a certain city there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected man. And there was a widow in that city who kept coming to him saying, Give me justice against my adversary. For a while he refused, but afterwards he said to himself, Though I neither fear God nor respect yet man, yet because this widow keeps bothering me, I will give her justice so that she will not come and beat me down by her continual coming. And the Lord said, hear what the unrighteous judge says. And will not God give justice to his elect to cry to him day and night? Will he delay long over them? I tell you, he will give justice to them speedily. Nevertheless, where the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on earth? This a beautiful parable that just says, it is the will of God for his children to be prayerful and to pray persistently. Now, we're going to get a chance to do this together as a church. And I don't know if Donna's here this morning, but Donna, bless your heart, you, you, you're just, you do such a good job. We have a prayer guide that we're going, to, we're, going to, we're, going to work this, we're going to begin working this thing next Sunday. Okay? And she has done a masterful job of putting this prayer guide together. And we're going to spend 23 days together reading the same passage, asking ourselves the same questions. And we're going to let God search our hearts and prepare us for the next steps. We're getting ready to put our transformational focus team together. And they need your prayers. And so you know what? It just makes sense that we all are praying. We all are seeking God. And listen, it's not just praying for this focus team. We're praying for God to do something fresh. I want God to do something fresh in me. I want God to do something fresh in you. I want God to do something that affects the whole body. Amen? And so we're going to do that together. Verse 18, he says to be thankful. If I were to ask you the difference between pride and humility, you would understand the difference, right? So if somebody's prideful or if they're humble. But you know what I've discovered over the years? The cure for pride isn't humility. Humility is the result. The cure for pride is thankfulness. I know a lot of people who are very proud of their humility. You know what I'm saying? Baptists are the only people I know that can strut and sit down at the same time. Be very proud of our humility. 
No, the cure for pride is thankfulness. And the scripture here says, rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances. All circumstances. There's a lot of circumstances I don't like. But I can learn to give thanks. I don't like it. I, I can't say that there, there's some things going on that if I unpack today, and I don't have time to do that, there are just some things going on in my own heart that I just don't like. But I need God to do a work of grace in me that I can be thankful for that circumstance. Why? For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. One author said it this way. Be careful for nothing, be prayerful in everything, and be thankful for anything. And the last thing I would bring your attention today out of this text is just to be faithful. So I'm going I'm to read the whole passage, but then I just want to spend just a moment on being faithful. So let's just back up and take the whole context. We ask you, brothers, to respect those who labor among you, And are over you in the Lord and admonish you. And to esteem them very highly in love because of their work. Be at peace among yourselves. And we urge you brothers, admonish the idle, encourage the faint hearted, help the weak, be patient with them all. See that no one repays anyone evil for evil, but always seeking to do good. To one another and to everyone. That means even folks that get on our nerves. Is there anybody ever gets on your nerves? Okay. Well, it's the will of God for us to be patient with them. Not to write them off. I'm going to say that again. The goal of God is not to write people off. It is to love them and do life with them till we see the change of God in them. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. I can't say that word today. Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the Spirit. Do not despise prophecies, truth, but test Everything. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. So what is God saying there? He's saying be faithful. That as we walk through and just hear these encouraging words and we hear this admonishment and, 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 and the grace of God begins to take over and we, we don't see people through the lens of flesh, but we see people through the lens of faith and, and we understand that we are in relationship one with another because we are in relationship with Him. So I'm learning to hold the hand of God and to hold your hand at the same time. We are in a spiritual covenant relationship with the God of the universe who has saved our soul, who's written our names down in the Lamb's book of life. And if we say we can't live in peace and harmony with each other, we got a problem. 
And so God uses a text just like this to show us that we've got to be faithful to truth. And that is what God uses to change and to sanctify us. And that's why he goes on in this text. It's a beautiful benediction. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Isn't that so much of everything that Paul began to share in the beginning portion of this letter to the church at Thessalonica? I mean, I won't go back over everything, but he he uses words like declare and speak and proclaim and exhort, encourage, charge, brother. You see that over and over, brother, brother, brother. Because the God of peace is sanctifying. You could use the word sanctify. You can use the word holy to cut, to separate. The God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is Faithful. Sugar, that's our word for this year. Faithful. He will surely do it. Brothers, pray for us. Greet all the brothers with a holy kiss. Now, you don't have to take that literal. Again, that's a Greek way of just saying... Y'all shook hands a while ago. You hugged. You, you, you said something nice. That's what it's talking about. So I'm not planting one on you. All right? <laughs> I put you under oath before the Lord to have this letter read to all the brothers. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. The last thing I'll say about the faithfulness of God here is he started this whole letter with the words, grace to you and peace. And he finishes the letter, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. It's always, listen to me church, it's always grace on top of grace on top of grace. It is grace that starts. It is grace that sustains. And it is God's grace that's going to see us home. Amen? So, let's be in order that we can do. So, Lord, today, I just thank you for who you are. I thank you, Lord, for... God, this type of message to the church body, Lord, this is encouraging to me. And I pray, God, that this is the kind of message and, God, this, this passage will, will literally kind of set the stage for where Popular Springs is going in its future. And so, Lord, today we are praying about several things in this service. So, Lord, would you, would you look at our own heart today? Lord, do we respect the leaders of the church? God, are we thankful for their investment? 
God, do we really care about the people sitting on the same pew across the aisle, bottom floor, balcony? God, would we love each other enough to help each other walk in step? God, do we have that kind of compassion and love for our brothers and sisters? Lord, I pray that that the Holy Spirit just gripped our heart. I pray that God, that if we've not prayed, that we would be convicted. God, if we don't have joy, I pray that even before we walk out of this building, God, you would give us an attitude adjustment. Lord, help us to be faithful. Faithful to you. Faithful to your word. God, faithful to one another. Lord, if someone needs to be saved today, I pray they be saved. God, if someone needs to join this fellowship today, I pray, God, today would be the day they would anchor in and begin, um, Lord, covenant life together as a body. God, maybe there's somebody here today, they just need to come to an altar just to pray and to seek your face. So, God, we give this time to you and we trust you with it. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet. Our praise team is going to lead us. If you need me, I'll be here. If you need to come pray, you come pray. Whatever God is saying to you today, just simply trust Him and obey.
Amen. A couple of things for your attention before we leave today. First of all, tonight at 6 o'clock, tonight at 6 o'clock, we have a fellowship time with our friends, our brothers, our sisters from First Baptist Dennery. 6 o'clock. You, listen, those folks are bringing a bus and full of people and food. That's what I've been told. Now, I asked them, was there more food or more people? And I did not get a definitive answer. But I want us to come and have both. Uh, we've had a partnership with them for a year. And tonight you'll get to hear a moment uh, from Pastor Andy. And uh, Pastor Ken's going to have a word. Did you know you're going to have a word? You're going to have one. And, um, and uh, we're just going to have a very simple time. We're basically going to eat. But now when you come, I want you to look at the tables. There's one side of each table that's for entering and one side that's for Poplar Springs folks. We need to get to know each other. It used to be an old Gaither song that said, Going together, enjoying the trip, getting used to the family I'll spend eternity with. Learning to love you. How easy it is. Getting used to the family of God. Could, we should have sung that with your message today, come to think of it. So come and get used to some of the family of God that you may not know. Next Saturday, there is a work day here. There's going to be, how many of you saw the pile of rocks out front? That uh, wasn't the chain gang. That was our facilities team have had those delivered, and they're going to be spreading those rocks and other things. So if you can come, there is a sign-up sheet right out on the welcome desk. So if you'd be so kind as to let them know that you're coming. Also, we haven't said much about this in the last couple of weeks. But next Sunday night at 6 o'clock is going to be our first compass meeting in about two years. So once again, we get to bring food and we get to eat together at 6 o'clock, two weeks in a row. So please keep that in mind. And then the last Sunday in May is Sacrifice Sunday. We're going to be honoring the sacrifice of Christ for us. And our goal is to pay off the debt. I said pay off the debt. Amen. Now, I believe God can do that, do you? And he's going to use us to do it. Now, remember, we have a challenge that we have a family who has determined that if we give half of it, they'll meet the other half. So, church, let's go to work. Bust that piggy bank slam open and bring what you've got on the last Sunday in May. And let's see what God is going to do. As you leave today, there will be offering uh, plates that the guys are going to be out there and then the little black boxes on the, as you go out to Portico if you're more comfortable that way. Hey, hasn't it been good to be together today? Don't you feel good all under? I do. Let's pray. Father, thank you for allowing us to feel so good just because we've been with you and we've been with our brothers and sisters. And I pray that grace will abound and that this day that everything that's done in this place will be because of grace and guided by grace and even tonight when we have our time together with the folks at Henry that you'll just continue to bind us together with your grace and your love thank you for this time this moment we love you thank you for loving us in Jesus name amen